Blog Talk Radio. It's the Gridiron Studs Show and the promo that's got the flow. Football knowledge from toe to toe with Amo, Calamino, and the other host. You already know Chad Wilson brings you the show. Dial us up. Give us a call. We're waiting here to talk some ball. 347-633-9365 is the number to call. So don't sit around. No time to stall. Giving you football from wall to wall. And now we give you our two hosts, Amo and Chad, with your breakfast toast. I've been waiting for this day. I have been waiting for this show since about 1 a.m., 2.30, somewhere around wow. there, 1 a.m., 2 a.m. I don't even remember. Since wow, you've been waiting Sunday a long morning. time. Yeah, since Sunday morning, early Sunday morning, I have been waiting for this show. There was uh, a lot going on this weekend, Kentucky Derby. Um, I can't wait to not get to that because we're not going to talk about it on this show today. So if you're a horse racing fan, you stumble upon the wrong show. Won't be talking about that today. Hopefully we got a little time to talk about that game seven between the Spurs and the Clippers. It was more exciting than what went on uh, that later on that night. It was this thing called a fight. Was it that, or was it something from Dancing with the Stars? We'll talk about that on the show today, and I am indeed referring to the Floyd Mayweather versus Manny Pacquiao fight. Many, many, the only fights, okay, let me tell you something. They, they call that a fight, right? The biggest fights that I saw, bigger than anything that went on in that ring, were between Manny Pacquiao and Mayweather fans on social media after the fight was over. Agree or disagree? Well, there, there, there was more fighting there. And, you know, I told you, I think it was Sunday yesterday, we were talking on social media, that I think the, the mom in Baltimore threw more punches in that exchange with her son who was throwing rocks than either one of those guys threw Saturday night. Yeah, uh, I'm. Listen, we're gonna we're gonna have to talk about this. Uh, did Floyd has Floyd Mayweather killed the sport of boxing? That might be a little harsh, but I will give some reasons as to why we might want to consider that to be so. Um, what is the state of boxing after this? Um, and then my general thoughts on Floyd Mayweather. Okay, they're not all bad, but I'm gonna give you my general thoughts on Floyd Mayweather. I'm sure you've got a bunch to add. As well, Emil, this could very well take the whole hour, but it won't. Have fear not, fear not. You football fans that have tuned in, we will talk the NFL draft. We will talk some of the surprising things that went down in the draft. You know, possible winners and losers. Just our general uh, talk about the NFL draft, and you're free to call in and talk about that today too. I would like to have some really great discussion on the NFL draft. Looking forward to that. So uh, those are the couple of topics that we're going to be talking about on the show today. The number to call in, 347-633-9365. Again, 347-633-9365. And uh, you can join us to talk on the show today. We'll try to take all the phone calls uh, that we get in. You can also reach us on Twitter as well, at Gridiron Studs, if you have a question or comment. Tons of comments uh, coming my way on Saturday night. As I was, I guess you could say, bashing Floyd Mayweather. Um, Emil, I just, were you bashing yeah. him, or were you being, you know, generally? I mean, my thoughts aren't all bad well, on him. You know, I saw his interviews afterwards and on ESPN, and I feel like mm-hmm. he understands where he he made mistakes previously. I feel like he mm-hmm. is genuinely understands he's blessed to be where he's at, and I think, as you put it, I think he does have a plan. He got where he needs to go. That that all said. 
this notion that he's, you know, and, and maybe, maybe he doesn't even believe this. I'm not sure. But when he said he's better than Ali, uh, you know, I chuckled. I mean, you, you saw my comment. He's better than Ali because Ali's 75 right now. I mean, that's the only reason he's yeah. better than Ali. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, currently speaking, yes, he probably could um, get with Ali. I'm, I know he couldn't knock him out, so we do know that much. But uh, listen, here's a story on Floyd. I think even the I'm better than Ali is part of his shtick um, to speak loudly. I was listening to a lot of what he said after the fight, um, and he did mention about, or, you know, it may not have been there in the fight. They did a piece on him prior to the fight, and they talked about his split with, with uh, Bob Arum. And how when he was with Aram, it was really all about Oscar De La Hoya, which is probably what it should have been at that time. But Floyd Mayweather wanted to have a voice in boxing, and they had a plan. And part of that was separating from Aram, and then also in the process, being loud, speaking loud, garnering attention. And he did that, and he did that in many of the ways that he still continues to do it. You know, the whole Money Mayweather thing, the counting of the money, the flaunting of the cash, the speaking loudly, the saying bold things the doing bold things, and I think some of that has spilled over into his lifestyle, um, and it's become a part of his reality. You know, he's got, he had all, all this stuff with the domestic violence, and to be honest with you, when you are a celebrity, things come your way. You find yourself in situations, and you may not always handle it in the best fashion. I will give Floyd Mayweather this. He's a guy from Grand Rapids, and if you've been to Grand Rapids and the part of Grand Rapids that he is from, you don't really come out of there and do anything big time. Okay, You certainly don't become the most recognized boxer of your time. You certainly don't make um, you know, a million dollars, let alone a couple hundred million dollars. So for that, you've got to give him his credit. They put a plan together, and he got to this point. Um, with that said, I and people from our era, I'm talking you and I, just cannot get down with the way that he goes about boxing in the ring. I put up the Hagler versus Hearns first round on, on Facebook yesterday, and that's what we come from. Now, granted, that's not the norm for every fight, but all those fights back in the day were action-packed. Emil, am I right or wrong? Well, no, they were, and he's trying to explain it away. I've heard, his, you know, well, this isn't called slugging, it's called boxing, and I understand that, but it's also called a fight. And here's the problem with, with, with the sport of boxing. If one guy doesn't want to engage, it just makes for a very boring sport, and it's entertainment. So... The, at the end of it, we do the, all this stuff, the sports that we all love, they entertain us. Um, and if one guy doesn't really want to engage the other guy, it's not going to be entertaining. And I don't care what anybody tells me, that's, you know, 95% of people who watch boxing that aren't, a, aren't homers for Floyd Mayweather will tell you his style is just not entertaining. It's not. Um, and to be quite honest with you, I would say, 75 to 80 percent of the Floyd fans have never paid to watch him fight. They are the internet guys that will find that link where they could catch the fight uh, on some kind of fuzzy link. They don't pay 49.99 dollars to watch that. Okay, and I'm going to tell you why people are really mad. Okay, and this might make Floyd Mayweather fans chuckle a little bit. I think people are mad at Floyd Mayweather because the people who have actually laid out the dollars to watch Floyd Mayweather fights have been the ones paying to see him caught in the ring and lose. Okay, those are the people that pay the 49.95, 59.95, 79.95, 99.95. Those are the people that pay the money to go see him. The rest of them guys shouting about Floyd blah 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 blah. Majority of them are the guys that find the uh, off-brand internet link to watch his fights. You are not legitimately telling me you pay um, the the amounts that I just talked about to watch that in the ring. Even you Floyd fans, you are not entertained by that. You're more entertained by his flaunting of the money and all that in-your-face bravado that he comes with, most of it 
all outside of the ring. That's why you're a Florida And I'll tell you what, if one of you wants to call and you have a screenshot that you could provide us, without account numbers, of course, throw it up on social media where you can show us your statement where you actually paid $99.95. Go to your cable account or your direct TV, uh, do a screenshot, move, remove the account so we can't see it, and put it up. Throw it up on Twitter or Facebook because I don't believe you. I don't believe it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I really don't. Be mad. I can't. I can't be mad at the guy, though, Emil, who's exploited the rules of the sport um, to to the, the best of his ability. And granted, Floyd Mayweather is a, a small man in the grand scheme of things, found a way that he could prosper in the sport and has made multiple, multiple millions. So from that standpoint, no, I can't be I, mad listen, at I don't begrudge him. Nobody made people pay him. Nobody made people watch the fight. So at the end of the day, he... He's fine with I'm fine with what what you know he got 180 million dollars fine mm-hmm. I mean listen enough people were willing to pay there's people sitting ringside for 150 thousand bucks or whatever it was good for him all I'm trying to say is this nonsense that he's the greatest ever is listen I I think I tried to use this example yesterday in boxing with your record okay boxing's one of the few sports where you can line up your opponents can't do that in the mm-hmm. NFL they give you a schedule at the mm-hmm. beginning of the year. And then after, if you go far enough, they start telling you who you're going to play in the playoffs. College football, you can line up a couple opponents, but basically you get a conference schedule. They tell you where to show up on Saturday and you play. Boxing, you can choose who you want to fight, especially when you become you know, known and, and, a, and you're a commodity. So, you know, this whole notion, is Rocky Marciano the greatest heavyweight ever? He was undefeated. The only people telling you right. that are and many like some don't of my... give him many don't give him credit for that because no, and like the only he, people telling you, know, you I have a few Italian American friends like myself who <laughs> you know will go to their grave telling you that Rocky was the greatest ever because he was undefeated. And I tell them, listen, Rocky was a really good fighter, but if you study boxing history and read up on it, there was nobody to fight then. He beat Joe Lewis when Joe Lewis was forty. There's not many boxing historians that think in their prime Rocky Marciano's beating Joe Lewis. Okay. Yeah, absolutely, and 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 so that's that's how history is going to treat Floyd. Uh, I had these uh, I had these the photos that were being put up on uh, social media Saturday Sunday morning uh, with the CompuBox punch totals, um, and then a couple of clips where they showed Floyd connecting with Manny's facing. All he did, people said, all he did was run and uh, you know run during the fight. Okay, listen, um, you're going to show me a picture where he did connect. Yes, he did. He punched. And then he ran. He punched, and then he ran. All he did was run around each. You know what he looked like to me? Um, if you've ever seen a stripper on stage where they throw up all of the dollar bills, and she goes around, stoops down, and picks up a, a bill at a time and stuffs it in a bag or whatever, that's what Floyd Mayweather, Mayweather was in the fight. He, he collected points. Punch, point there, ran, ran, ran. Boom, another point. Run, duck, clutch. Boom, another point. Hey. Man, no one wants to see that, man. It's when they went to the cards at the end, right, were you watching this fight at all, or did you have the fuzzy feed? You didn't pay to watch this. Please please tell me you didn't. A buddy of mine paid. I went over okay. to his house and watched it. Okay. clear view of the fight. As long as, I don't have, as long as it didn't come out of Mr. and Mrs. Wilson's account. Um, you know, at the end, when they went to the cards, did you expect them to go, Lynn Goodman, carry on an opera. <laughs> <laughs> It, uh, dude, it, it was just. Uh, I, I mean, I, I'm. I, I people start telling me, well, I'm a true boxing fan, so I enjoy the sweet science of boxing. Man, get out of my face with that nonsense, man. That ain't no damn sweet science of boxing. You name me another top boxer ever, ever in this in this fight game that has ever boxed in that fashion. 
You no. name me one. You listen, know. even Ali, Ali, who was one of you know the great boxers. I mean, Ali's especially young. You go watch video of, of old Ali fights. He would frustrate the hell out of guys trying to hit him in the heavyweight division early in his career. Even Ali, he used and to knock guys out. Fire, though. He used to yeah, knock guys out. The fire. Al, Ali would, you know, he's known as a boxer, and he was, but Ali, ask George Foreman if Ali could hit. Ask Joe Frazier if Ali yeah. could hit. <laughs> yeah. He well, you can't ask Joe Frazier, but. <laughs> yeah, uh, but, you know, that that's the deal. So don't come to me with the, I like the sweet science of boxing. Man, come on with that nonsense. What you, what, that is not the sweet science of boxing. That's the sweet science of run around in a ring and collect points. B.S. And the people who are not happy with it, that's where they're coming from. We watched Sugar Ray Leonard, who had some good defense, but he could come with the fire, okay? You watched Roy Jones, who was extremely hard to hit in the ring, but he'd come with some power, some punching power, knock guys out, okay? Roy Jones won 61 fights in his career. He knocked out 44 guys. Floyd is at the point now where he's only knocked out half of his guys. Everything's and half going the guys he knocked out, you've got to remember, if you go look, that's when you're coming up the ranks and you're fighting. I hate to use the word, but I'm going to use an old boxing term. You're fighting bums. I mean, you're fighting yeah, guys coming cans. up the Yeah. Yeah, yeah, tomato can. Something we probably need to look up. But in those big-time fights, man, really, did you ever see this guy? I just want to see him put someone away. I would be a Floyd Mayweather fan if I could see him do that. I don't remember any point in this fight where he threw three punches consecutively. No, yeah, and that, that's what makes it hard. You know, people say, oh, you're a hater. I'm not a hater. I'm a hater of the style. I mean, I don't have anything personally. Like I said earlier, he made the money fair and square. People paid to see him. I don't have a problem with the guy, you know, making a lot of money. I have a problem with the style. It's not for me. I'm not, you know, again, I keep coming back to because he brought it up. You know, I look at a guy, you know, my favorite fighter as a kid and to this day is Muhammad Ali. And, you know, watching him as a kid, I mean, Ali knew how to put a show on. Even if they gave Ali a tomato can and they said, well, we, you got to go beat this guy. Ali didn't do it in two rounds when he could have. He knew the people paid right. to see some fighting. He he basically stand the guy up for six or seven rounds. Yeah, I mean, and he had sense enough him. to do that. Yeah, he yes. had sense enough to do that. But it, it's, uh, look, again, I'm going to say this again. I can't hate on the business uh, approach Floyd has taken to his boxing career. I really can't hate on that. He's it's made him several million dollars. I sound like a fool uh, doing that. Um, what his what he's been able to do and how he's gone about it has made him a very very rich man. But again, with that said, when you're talking about the pure thing of boxing, um, and, and you can't even call it a Floyd Mayweather fight, he's exiting at the right time because I really think Emil, um boxing died on uh, Saturday night. It's dead. There's nothing else to see. Well, that's why UFC has become popular for people that like that. I mean, I don't care for either much anymore. I mean, I'm a boxing fan to the extent of if there was a heavyweight division again where there was someone worth watching, like when Tyson came along in the 80s, I might get into it again. But but Mm -hmm. let's face it, boxing without the heavyweight division being strong always struggles. Okay, it needs the big guys, no matter how good the welters and the middles are. It needs Mm -hmm. the big guys at the top to drive the sport. And, you know, I'm not a UFC fan. So for me, you know, that was pretty much the extent of my interest in boxing. I, I, what happened is exactly what I told you on the show. I thought would happen. Neither guy could knock the other guy out. Um, I was offered to go see the fight up the casino here for 20 bucks. They were selling tickets. A neighbor had some. I said, sorry, not interested in being up till 1 in the morning to watch that, but thank mm-hmm. you for, for asking, uh, you know. And that was that. Mm-hmm. I mean, so that, so that's you didn't where I'm actually at. see the fight then? 
No, I saw, you know, I saw with the ESPN clips of the fight, and they, they ran some tape I saw yesterday, you know, different parts. Well, that's that all you really allowed. needed to see. That's all yeah, you no, really I mean, I saw the stuff I need. I, I, listen, I, I watched the round by round on ESPN. I turned it on, and, you know, Butcher Grass, I think, was on with somebody, and they were giving you a rundown of the round and the scoring of what happened. And, you know, essentially they're trying to play it up because ESPN has a big stake in Mayweather, talking about, oh, you know, he can't hit him, he's frustrating. But, listen, that's – Nobody wants to say what's obvious, okay? The guy is like you said, clutch, grab, pop, pop, run, clutch, pop, pop, run. I mean, yeah, yeah, I, I can't, I can't be down with that. All right, we may have some callers here that want to chime in on this. Caller, you're on the Gridiron Stud Show. Yeah, how you guys doing? Good. Uh, how are you? Doing all I was right. listening to you guys. You guys are hilarious, and the Mayweather hate hate is just seeping out your pores because. At the end of the day, Mayweather even admits his style sucks, and everybody knows that. <laughs> it's a boring – I mean, everybody knows that, but they keep on buying it. And the only reason people are disappointed, for one reason, they're not disappointed because Mayweather runs or whatever. He's been running for 47 fights. I mean, mm-hmm. they're disappointed because – yeah, okay, but they're disappointed because the guy that they have faith in didn't stop Mayweather. That's the problem. They mm-hmm. thought Manny Pacquiao. But wait, wait, time out, time out. Where is the hate here? We, neither one of us are Pacquiao fans. Neither one of us begrudge begrudge him his money that he made because, as I said earlier, if you listen to it, he made it and people keep paying. So I made your point. I'm just telling you that I'm not paying ninety nine ninety five to watch that. Well, quite frankly, yeah, though, I'm, our, I'm caller so, our, our caller sounds like us. You sound like us. I think you're saying the same thing we're saying. People are mad because this guy runs around, doesn't really box, and, and people are paying to try and see someone catch this guy and, and, put, and get some hands on him, right or wrong. Yeah, but the, the way they did it before this fight, the problem was, oh, Manny, I mean, the guys that uh, went for Manny, and it's a lot of people that went for Manny because Floyd mm-hmm. obviously is not a crowd favor. They're saying, mm-hmm. oh, Floyd's not going to be able to do what he does to everybody else, he ain't gonna be able to run because Manny's gonna, uh, you know, cut him off. Manny's got speed. Manny's got this. Well, wait a second. Anybody who pays head. attention to boxing isn't saying that Manny Pacquiao lost what three of his previous seven fights or something before yeah, this. but they, I'm, he I'm got knocked be, out. The guy I mean, got knocked out a couple Amel. times. Hold on, hold on, Amel. I I'm think not, he's I'm right. Not, I'm not talking about people. A lot of people were saying this. A lot of people were saying this. It was hope. It was hope. This Am I not right, Paul? A lot of people were hoping that this guy who runs around in the ring and doesn't really want to box and has a loud mouth would get caught by Pacquiao. I think it was more hope than really truly believing that. We, many people who truly follow boxing knew that this, this fight was years past its time in which Pacquiao could achieve those things, right or wrong. Yeah, you're right, but I'm not talking about knowledgeable fans. I'm talking about mm-hmm. the same people that's complaining about spending their $100, like, oh, I spent my $100 just to see this. Them same people. Oh, yeah, you're right. No, you're saying what we're saying. You're right. They thought Pacquiao was going to do something that nobody did, you know, before the fight. It's like, oh, he's not going to be able to run A couple of questions. Yeah, Yeah, a couple of questions before I let you go. Are you, first of all, you're a Mayweather fan? No, I'm I'm a boxing fan. You're a boxing fan. So, would you would you are you one of these people that would call what he does the sweet science of boxing? Call what he does. He he does boxing. That's what I would call. It. I would just call it boxing. Okay. I wouldn't call now, it sweet science. I wouldn't romanticize it. 
or anything uh, like that. I, okay. I would call him. He's a, he's a boxer. He's not going to give you a, okay. a fight. He's well, you sound like a fight. wait. Well, you sound like a very knowledgeable boxing fan. Obviously, you like the sport. So, and I don't know how old you are, so I may be asking you a question. You know, we're in our forties, so we saw. The, were you old enough to see Ali fight? No. Okay. Do, have you ever watched any of the old tape and video of Ali? Yeah. Definitely. Okay. I love it, Ali. Yeah. Right. Okay. That to me is boxing. I mean, Ali would miss get guys to miss. Ali would return fire. When Ali had a strategy, he had a plan. When he fought Foreman, he let Foreman beat him up for seven rounds. By the time the eighth round came, Foreman couldn't lift his gloves, and Ali unleashed that jackhammer on him, and it was over. To me, that's strategy. That's boxing. I'm just saying I'm not paying a hundred bucks. I don't care about him getting caught. I didn't think Pacquiao would catch him. Chad asked me on Friday. I said it'll probably be a decision, and Mayweather will win. Final question yeah. to you though: Do you pay for? Do you pay to watch Mayweather fight? No, and that, that's what I loved you. You said earlier, like people that's either Mayweather fans or just watch boxing, they're and knows boxing are really not gonna pay for Mayweather. It's the it's the fans that really dislike him and don't just watch boxing when it's a Mayweather fight or a big name and they'll pay for it. Like I don't know why. Mm-hmm. It's not worth Those paying for his fight. No, you're exactly. right. You know, well, I misunderstood exactly. when you said the hating. I completely misunderstood you. You're 100% right. You're basically, like Chad said, saying what we're saying. They tune in for their 100 bucks on Saturday. They're praying and hoping, not knowing boxing, that Pacquiao is the Pacquiao of, of seven years ago and he's somehow going to catch him and hit him. And, uh, you know, not, now they're yeah, mad was, that they it, paid 100 bucks. But I think y'all falling a lot into of hope, man. Mayweather's trash talk too much because I notice on a lot of these shows they keep on talking about him saying he's the best ever. Him saying he's the best ever, he really doesn't believe that. I mean, but it's 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 the reason why he's as successful as you as he is right now because he's controversial. And the more he say that, everybody that's all they're talking about. Oh, he's not good as but they're talking about Mayweather, talking about him. And Mayweather, if you think yeah. of it his fighting style, if Mayweather didn't have that big mouth with his fighting style, he wouldn't wouldn't make as much money as he made. Oh, career. absolutely. And that it. was the that he, was the big point that I made on Facebook. I think you you and I are absolutely thinking alike, man. Listen, I appreciate you calling in. You had some great comments, but keep listening to us, man. You're a great caller, and hopefully you keep calling hey, in. But can I say one one thing? One more. Sure. If you listen to Mayweather, he always admits that. He says he always says, with my plan and my strategy, you know, uh, of marketing, you know, I got to this level. I'm smart. I I play it smart. He knows what he's yeah, doing. Yeah, and, and that, so and I, that I, makes, I it, that that makes it hurt even more. That makes it hurt even more because he's, <laughs> he's throwing it up in people's face. <laughs> All right, man, All thanks right. for calling. We appreciate you calling into the show. Uh, he makes a lot of great points. He echoes a lot of the things that I was saying on social media on early Sunday morning. Uh, Mayweather knows what the deal is. He lets you know what the deal is. And uh, I think the part that pisses people off is that they know that this is what he's doing, and he's telling you this is what he's doing, and people are still paying. They, you know what? They just, it's one of those things. It's like an accident where you're driving down the highway and everybody starts rubbernecking. They know that they're going to get played, but, but they, they, the guys that hate him so hate him so much that they pay the 100 mm-hmm. bucks and the caller spot on. You can tell that that guy – is a real boxing fan. I mean, he understands the sport, and he gets it. You know, he gets it. You could definitely hear it in his voice. Man, this is nothing other than uh, Ricky Henderson in the 80s. He got on first base. The pitcher knows he's stealing. The catcher knows he's stealing. Ricky knows he's stealing. Everyone knows Ricky's stealing, and Ricky's going to steal the base anyway, and the pitcher's going to be mad, and the catcher's going to be mad, and Ricky's going to stand up and uh, dust off his clothes and say, I'm ready. I'm going to get third base. 
And one of your favorites, one of your favorites was one of the great loudmouths of, of and a favorite of mine because he was on my team, Michael Irvin. He'd do that to guys. Mm-hmm. He'd have guys talking to themselves, and the, by the second quarter, because he'd be telling them before the game, you know, I'm I'm going to abuse you today. <laughs> yeah. All right. We've got another caller on the line. Caller, Hello? what we saw on Saturday night was that the same as when Rocky was in the backyard chasing the chicken in uh, the Rocky movie. <laughs> <laughs> Was that not what we just saw Saturday honestly, night? Help honestly. me out. What's going on, Chad? Honestly. Hey, man, how you doing? Come on, back, I'm, I'm, back, I'm back Mayweather I'm, for me. Come on, make make a case I'm, for your boy. Honestly, I'm, I'm guitar low because I'm in my office and I'm around people. But check me out. Good. Okay. Mayweather, since, um, I would say since about 2000, hmm, I wouldn't even say that. He actually hmm. been fighting regular fights. Oh, Canelo, I would say since Canelo, he's been fighting his little style where he pretty much mm-hmm. – he would. He really got into defensive mode. He's he's older. Last last or Saturday night, it was Manny Pacquiao with swing and miss. Who's going to stand there and get hit by Manny Pacquiao? Like why would people want Manny him to stand in the paint and get and get and get beat up? I, okay, let me stop I, you I'm there. Let me stop you there. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna let ahead. you make all your points. Let me stop you there because you're not go alone ahead. in saying that. It does not mean that you have to stand in front of a guy. I'm going to bring up these guys again. Roy Jones, Sugar Ray Leonard, right, right off the top of my head. Look, Zab Judah, uh, Meldrick Taylor, guys like that. With Sugar Ray. Avoid Talk punches. about Sugar Ray. Yeah. yeah. With avoid punches, got defense, but they're coming back with some fire. That's my problem mm-hmm. with Floyd. I'm not mad at you ducking punches. I'm mad were, at you. Were, were, they F, a combination were they Floyd age? Were they 38? He did it too? Sugar Ray was gunning and throwing punches from day one till Let's he talk about till, till he was fighting till he was fighting Camacho way past his time. Let's talk about Same Sugar thing for Ray. Dur- Let's talk about Sugar Ray and Duran Part Two. Okay. With the, the Domas. Why did mm-hmm. Roberto Duran say I'm done? He couldn't hit him because the first fight, Sugar Ray tried to stand in the paint with him and say, you know what? I'm going to prove. I'm going to be exciting for the fans. I'm going to prove to them that I could stand in the paint with him, which was mm-hmm. bad because. Roberto Durant with hands of stone. You you don't do that. You don't mm-hmm. do that. Mm-hmm. You duck. Mm-hmm. The second fight, mm-hmm. Sugar Ray was was it was he was amazing. Like, well, but how I about the Hagler fight? Sugar Ray. I mean, no, Sugar Ray. Uh, he stood there. Come on, wait. Let, let me let me get on you about the Duran. Here's what we had. Here's why you had a no moss from Duran, but you didn't mm-hmm. get that from Pacquiao. Not only was Sugar Ray avoiding punches from Duran, he was coming back and drilling him, and so, further adding to Duran's frustration. Further adding to his frustration. Look, remember the sixth round. Look at the sixth round of Pac when he was doing the whole. He had him on the ropes. The only, the only time Pacquiao actually got some hits on him was when he on the ropes doing that little punches and bunches or whatever. Mm-hmm. When mm-hmm. Pacquiao was, when he did it, Mayweather looked at him and was like, no. You got to understand mm-hmm. what that did to his psyche. After that, Pacquiao pretty much gave up. But like, I guarantee like, you, we may have seen Pacquiao fold his tent before the fight. was. We could have had a complete... Um, a complete repeat of Nomas if Floyd was able to put together some serious combinations mm, on Pacquiao right. and, pa- right. and Pacquiao Floyd's not be able to come back and score. That you're right, but Floyd, Floyd is a very day. careful fighter because Manny, pa- mm. Manny Pacquiao has a, a that left hand is dangerous, and he pretty much nullified that left hand through the whole fight. But wait a second, mm. is anything more dangerous than Duran or Hagler? I mean, Hagler was a southpaw. I mean, Leonard, Leonard I, didn't stand there toe-to-toe with him, but Leonard hit. I mean, there was there was punches exchanged in the Hagler-Leonard fight. Right. I remember that. It was punches exchanged. Floyd is, Floyd is right. a different fighter. 
but you can't say. So wait, you bought you bought, you bought this point. fight on and Saturday that is the night. Point we're making. Did I? Did I buy the fight on Saturday? No, I didn't. I went to a neighbor's house. Oh, no. I, let me tell you. Let me tell you. The last time, the last time I went to a bar to see a fight was Oscar De La Hoya, and I almost got killed that night because I was living in Tallahassee. I was going. I was in college, going living in Tallahassee, and me and my mm-hmm. friends was in. I don't know why we went to an all-white bar, and it was Mayweather. It was, and that's the first time I ever. Because I'm, I'm from Miami, so we don't see mm-hmm. that that kind of white black racism like that. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I heard so many n words. I heard mm-hmm. so much stuff, and me and my friends were the only black guys in there. It was like, yo, out of this fight, we, we, we're we we we're going to stay here or we're going to leave. Mm-hmm. Like, if, if we see people mm-hmm. leaving, we're going to stay. Mm-hmm. If we, people see people staying, we're going to leave because Well, that's I a felt, shame. I mean, I won't make light of that. Felt, that's like, actually honestly, a shame. But honestly, let me tell I felt, you something. I felt, I felt dangerous for my life, so I was like, you know what? I'm not even going to go to a bar. I'd rather stay home, and I, I, I'd be at home with my scorecard, like, I'm a fan. Like I, I watch all box and I watch. All right, so Ch- hey, why didn't you I love cough up night. that ninety nine at the house? Cough up that ninety nine at the house Honestly, to watch your boy run I around didn't, the ring. Because my neighbor, she fine as hell, and she said, she's <laughs> "I'm sorry, I mean, Amy, she fine." And she was like, "I'm having a fight party," and I'm, I just moved. I'm, I've been up here. I live in Athens now. I live here for a year, and she had all her friends over there and they cooking. So she said, pay me $10, you come over there. So I help well, okay, so you're smart. What you're trying to tell us is not only are you a boxing fan, but you've got a high IQ. Uh, yeah, well, I got it. You're Mayweather smart. He, he, not only did Floyd play the game Saturday night, uh, our caller did. Well, listen, man, I appreciate you calling in and giving us No, I mean, I, mean, I, well, I, had, I was going to go in more, but well, well, I appreciate it, man. I, I got to listen to your thing more, but I was trying to get first take, and y'all at the same time, but I listen. To, I look at first take later. I, I still listen in. I might call in and say something, though. Thanks. But Pacquiao, oh, no, know your boy, compete I'm, with first take. Last thing, last, no, first, I don't care. First, uh-huh. last thing I'm going to say, Pacquiao disappointed his fans. Pacquiao mm-hmm. usually oh, he did. more And we're going to talk that. about that right now. He, we're he did, going to talk they say, about they that say right the, the fight was born. Floyd, Floyd, Floyd controlled that fight. Floyd, Floyd, um, exactly. he fights the way he fights, and Manny Pacquiao fights mm-hmm. the way he fights. They're, they're expecting Manny Pacquiao to come in there and just start and rough him up or whatever. You know, as a matter of fact, mm-hmm. my last thing, Maidana fought mm-hmm. Floyd mm-hmm. better than Pacquiao because Styles make fights. And I believe True. Maidana probably would knock out Pacquiao. Well, but yeah, Pacquiao, listen, Pacquiao took the money. At least Floyd fought the way Floyd always fights, so you can't really criticize Floyd. I mean, Floyd did what Floyd does. Mm-hmm. Pacquiao really was way past his prime. Now, I know age-wise no, no, Floyd's no. a little older, prime, but Pacquiao you mean, was done. post-steroids or pre-steroids? Come on now. Well, whatever. I'm uh, saying, you, got, you know, what I'm trying to say is... Yeah, what I'm trying to nah, say is... He, you don't just knock out everybody like that, then, then you don't... Like, come on. Well, what I'm saying is, like, Caller, he was done, though. I mean, he, he was he, he had lost, like I said, something like three of his previous seven fights. Floyd, he got knocked Floyd out a couple prime? times. Floyd passes prime? Is Floyd, is Floyd, Floyd Mayweather passes prime? Floyd could box oh, no, like I'm not saying that Floyd... Listen, Floyd's not on. in his prime, Floyd either. Floyd could box like this, conceivably. Floyd could box like this in, well into his 60s. Yeah. As well as um, B-Hop. Well, there, well, there you go. There you go. You can make a nice little life for yourself. Hey, man, appreciate you calling. Thanks for listening. you got to call more often. Thanks for calling. All right, Get on All right. No, I think, uh, Chad, I think he's break. misunderstanding we... me one second, though. I think what I'm tr- – I'm not trying to say that – Hold on. I'm going only... to let you make that point. Okay. We're going to jump into the break. When we get back, we'll hop on Pacquiao. You can give your, you can give your thoughts on that. I'll give, a, I'll give some thoughts on what Pacquiao brought to the fight. We'll do that more when we get back on the Gridiron Stud Show right after this.
want the truth? Well, here it is. Speed kills. And in no other sport is that true than in football. Speed gets you to the end zone. Speed gets you to the ball carrier. Speed makes you a winner. Do you want championship-type speed? Do you want speed that kills? Then Complete Speed is what you need. Complete Speed is turning athletes into game breakers. With quick and easy methods that are easy to understand, Complete Speed can shave time off your 40-yard dash, make you quicker and more explosive. They have a clear progression, drills, and exercises, along with specific instructions. They also have proven sample workouts and programs for you, the individual, or for you, the coach. Speed is what you need, so hurry now and check out Complete Speed. Just go to gridironstuds.com forward slash complete speed. That's gridironstuds.com forward slash complete speed for more information right now. Hey, 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 do you love fantasy sports? Do you love money? Do you love excitement? Well, get ready, because you may have found your heaven. FanDuel has combined all of these great things into one amazing website. Turn your love for sports into money and excitement with one week and even one day fantasy leagues with a chance for enormous payoff. FanDuel pays out over $10 million in winnings weekly to its members. That's right, $10 million. One member has made over $600,000 playing in their league. Another customer entered a one-day contest for $25 and, get this, cashed out $25,000 that day. FanDuel even offers a 100% money-back guarantee. Sign up now and join a league. If you don't absolutely love it, they'll give you your money back. You can enter leagues for as little as $1. For a limited time, FanDuel is offering a 100% deposit match bonus to Gridiron Stud Show listeners. That's right, they'll match your initial deposit all the way up to $200. What more can you ask for? Just head over to FanDuel.com right now and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS when you sign up. But you better hurry. The match bonus is going to end soon. Just head over to FanDuel.com and enter the promo code GRIDIRONSTUDS. Do it now! Cause you play, you can play defense. You can be all American. I can do it now. You can do it now. Yeah, I can do it. I'm trying to focus on my position, running back. Emily, you think uh, Michael Buffer was pissed off on Saturday night? He comes in with the "Let's get ready to rumble," and it wasn't anything like that. He had to be. Yeah, he might have been a little annoyed. Uh, he was hoarse, though, at the end of the fight. Like, he couldn't get his voice together. Jimmy, you had to tag in Jimmy Lennon and uh, and have him close that thing out. For <laughs> he was probably at ringside back. yelling, fight already! <laughs> yeah, probably, along with some obscenities. I would love to know, how about, a, how about a video somewhere or audio somewhere of Michael Buffer, like, cursing in his, in his very professional voice? That'd be, uh, that'd be outstanding. That right. would be pretty uh, good. You had, you, <laughs> it would be fun to hear. You did have a point before we went to the break here that you wanted to get out. Oh, I think the caller was misunderstanding me. Like I was saying, well, you know, if Pacquiao was in his prime, he would beat Mayweather. I'm not saying that at all. Obviously, at 38, you have to assume Mayweather's past his prime. But what I'm saying is Mayweather can still do what he does because, you know, apparently he still has skills left. I think Pacquiao's way past his prime, as evidenced by the fact, like I've been saying, I think he's lost three of his last six or seven fights. A couple were knockouts. I mean, he's nowhere near the guy he was, say, six years ago. 
Now, you can argue, well, Mayweather was better six years ago, and I'm not. that's not my point. I'm saying I think Pacquiao stole money on Saturday night. Mm. Uh, and, and you know what? Our, our, our caller did make a great point there. We cannot let Pacquiao off the hook. He is a certain style of fighter. He is uh, a reason, probably, okay, probably the greater reason why this fight was as big as it was. I think the majority of the people who purchased this fight – uh, was there to see Manny Pacquiao be the Manny Pacquiao that they thought he would be and go in and catch Floyd Mayweather and shut him up once and for all and get a, get that loss on his record that he's been uh, avoiding for the entirety of his career. I think that's what most people paid to see, and they definitely did not get that. This fight started off looking like Floyd Mayweather versus himself, two guys ducking <laughs> Uh, and feeling each other out and throwing good, soft good jabs yep. and, and popping back. That's what that's what I saw in the early going. Um, Pacquiao did have his times where he went in there and threw his combinations and his punches, but it was certainly not anything that anyone expected, and certainly not the Pacquiao that we had five, six, seven years ago. You can call that the steroid era for him or whatever. That's that's a Floyd Mayweather camp assertion, by the way. How do you feel about that? About the guy was on the... steroids? I don't know, man. I mean... It's, that just seems like the easy thing to say about anyone who achieves a certain level of success in any sport now at this point. I've heard Tiger Woods accused of steroids. Yeah, like it's, 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 I think it gets thrown around weary. a little too much anymore. I mean, it went from, you know, we assume some guys in baseball were doing it and, and whatnot. Now all of a sudden, you know, anybody who's, like you said, does anything, we start yelling that they were on steroids. I don't know if I buy that. Yeah, we're in the era of if you're excelling in sports – you're taking steroids. If you've got a big behind or big breast, um, they were augmented by a doctor. And uh, the second one's probably true. But anyway, um, moving along, we've got the NFL draft coming uh, that, that came through here. Um, we talked about the first round on Friday, but we did talk about how round two through six and seven is where the money is made. So uh, we need to talk about some of the interesting things that went down in the draft after the first round, all of the hoopla of the first round. Um, and and I, this is the part of the draft that I really enjoy, Emil. I don't know about you. We all know who the first-round guys are. Um, and we talk so much leading up to the draft about where every guy is going to land. Be, uh, and, and, you, and by and large, that's what you get. You know, most of the time – 85, 90% of the first round goes the way that everyone's been saying it for about three or four months. It's after that, who gets the value, guys? Who gets the guy that dropped? Who gets the guy that had the ACL injury that's a really good player? And to me, that's the joy in the draft for me. So let's get into that discussion right here. One thing that jumped out to me, and I made mention of it on social media, um, was how the Oakland Raiders went went really big time in the state of Florida. That's one of the things that jumped out at me. Five of their ten draft picks were from Florida schools. I'm talking Florida State, Florida, and Miami. And then when you add in Amari Cooper, who is a Florida native uh, that played at Alabama, 60% of the Oakland Raiders draft uh, was the state of Florida. You think that was by design, or that's how that thing just happened to go? It just happened to go there? Uh, probably just happened to go down. But, I mean, if you saw the list I posted yesterday, and for you to take a gander at uh, – draft picks by school and you know of course it's always going to be a little bit um determined by how how many draft eligible juniors and seniors you have so if you have a young team you're not going to have as many but usually it's the same culprits and if you noticed the only surprise there was a uh, florida state i think came in at one they were at 11 and i was surprised to see louisville but i guess they had a pretty senior laden team they came in at 10 and then mm-hmm. you know the other culprits were florida had eight 
you know, uh, Alabama and Miami had seven, USC had six, Ohio State five. So it's the same guys. So when you have the Florida schools, you got three of them, and I just gave you a mm-hmm. list, and that's what twenty six picks from the mm-hmm. th- big three in Florida, and then you add in the other schools. Yeah, you're gonna have a lot of guys from Florida in your draft, most likely. And if you're picking at the top, and you assume those teams have a lot of talent it would stand to reason that you might even have more of them. And the Raiders certainly, like most years, were picking at the top of the draft. Here's something that you and I are probably going to have a debate on, okay? Um, I did not like the Dallas Cowboys' draft, and I'm going to give you the reasons why. I already talked to you about the first-round pick, Byron Jones. I think he's a reach. I think he was a combine king, a workout freak. I'm not sold on him as being uh, an NFL cornerback that's going to have – shut down ability, and he was taken in the first round. Your second-round pick, Randy Gregory, um, there's a lot. Listen, there's a, there's a really big – it's a risk, okay? We're not sure Randy Gregory, and a lot of people are not sure Randy Gregory is going to get his act together uh, to last in, in the NFL, and he's in a city like Dallas that's – it's not Green Bay, Wisconsin. There will be plenty of temptation there for him. So that's going to be a round-the-clock affair with him. Mm-hmm. Chaz Green uh, – Listen, I've, obviously I've got a son at Florida, but Chaz Green, uh, another another risky pick. Certainly the body that you want, but uh, not enough experience there for you to say that this guy is going to be able to make it. Um, and then as I go down through the rest, uh, my, my biggest disappointment for the Cowboys is I don't believe they've addressed their running back situation. I understand you've got an offensive line that you feel real comf- feel real confident in. I don't know if Randall's that guy. Um, McFadden has not been able to complete an NFL season, and I'm just not sold on the running back crew that the Cowboys have, and I think they're resting a little bit too much on that offensive line. Well, have let's, address, let's address it twofold, twofold. One, the running back situation. McFadden's basically playing on a non-guaranteed deal. My guess is he's going to run his butt off behind that line. Now, I'm not saying he's going to get 1,800 yards, but remember, Murray had never completed an NFL season prior to last year, okay? So, Mm-hmm. They're not asking McFadden to be Murray because let's for everybody wanted the Cowboys and I was in that narrative. I got trapped in it to go and 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 use a second or third round pick on a running back. But they, their point is we already used one, Joseph Randall, and he got seven yards of carry and limited action last year. So let's mm-hmm. let's see him run. I mean, mm-hmm. they, they they have Ryan Williams, who by all accounts would have been on the roster last year and played, except he doesn't play special teams. Mur- Murray mm-hmm. never got hurt and they didn't need him. They said he looked great. He's a former first round pick. They have a stable of running backs, and, and their point is, you know what? You can only have so many stakes on the plate in the NFL. We have a ton of money in our line, receivers, quarterback. We think we can get competent play there. We need to address our defense. Our defense is what kept us from playing in the NFC Championship game. We couldn't get to a guy on one leg. Emil, if that running game is not what it was last year, you're going to have a bigger problem with your defense. Sometimes you can solve that defensive problem with what you do on offense. And well, you're going to I agree with me. you. You I feel good. You feel has good anybody, been, has right anybody been as much of a proponent, okay, as of the running game as me other than maybe you? Um, I have, and you can't tell me you're happy with a lineup of Darren McFadden, Lance Dunbar, and Joseph Randall, and Ryan well, Williams. You can't listen. tell me you're happy with that. The New England Patriots picked up LeGarrette Blunt off a scrap heap and won the Super Bowl. Jonathan that, Gray. That's not, that's not what they're about. Their quarterback is Tom Brady. But John Gray ran that's for 200 yards. My point is that they have enough guys there. They're not going to have a guy get 1,500 yards. I totally agree with you there. 
But in 2007, the Cowboys had a good offensive line. They ran for over 2,000 yards, same as they did last year. They had Felix Jones, who's not in the league anymore, and Marion Barber, who couldn't beat you in a foot race when he was in his prime. Okay? You don't need – I. You need to commit to running the ball. You don't need a bellwether guy if you have a good line. I'm not saying that anybody can do it. That's all I'm saying is that you slide me through the slide me through the rest of this draft because you didn't address. I have no problem with Jones because Jones can be a corner or a safety. They took him at 27. Okay, Gregory, Mm -hmm. I agree with you. Um, The bet there is that he doesn't leave the reservation. But here's the thing: every pre-draft report you read had this guy in the top 15 picks. If you're going to get a guy like this at 60, he's going to have issues because if he didn't have issues, he would have been off the board in the top half of the first round. It's no different than I said. Come on, let's be honest. We're looking in hindsight now. A lot of people shook their head back when the Cowboys drafted Des Bryant because God knows he had issues, and he still does. Okay, mm-hmm. but, but they got him at 24, which is a lot mm-hmm. different than saying taking Mo Claiborne at 6, which is a disaster. But when you get a guy like like Dez at 24 or a Randy Gregory at 60, I don't have a problem with that. I know nothing about Chaz Green other than he has the body of a right tackle. The Cowboys need a guy, a swing tackle, because remember, Parnell went to Jacksonville. So they're trying to stay with what they do, which is we believe in our offensive line. Um, from what I've read about Green, he's a smart guy. He's got the body. The production hasn't quite matched it yet. So I think they're hoping that they can get that out of him. Damian Wilson is this year's Anthony Higgins. He's a tackling machine. No problem there. Everybody laughed about about Higgins last year. The guy played 18 games for the Cowboys and was probably their best linebacker overall. Um, Russell, he came in. He's got the the body of an edge rusher. He came into Purdue in a 4-3 scheme as a freshman. As you know, Coach, Purdue mm-hmm. switched to a 3-4. They put him as a five-technique defensive end in a 3-4. He's six three like two seven. That's like the death of a guy like that. That's right. Anyway. He's six four two seventy. You know, I read an interesting article. Let's get off the Cowboys. We'll, we'll agree to disagree. I don't think it was a great draft. I gave it a B. Give me a grade on a, that draft. Give me a, a grade B. real quick. It's a B draft to me. It's solid, but I'm nothing. going. I'm going C, maybe C minus. But okay, your article. Okay, a guy made a great point about how teams draft, and he used the Cowboys. He said, you know, remember a couple of years ago, everybody wanted them to take um, Floyd from Minnesota. Remember that? Mm-hmm. And they ended up going down in the first round and taking uh, Frederick. Everybody, all the experts kind of chuckled. The guys it was an all-pro last year. The guy's point was the Cowboys, good teams when they draft, factor in scheme changes. So his point was, yeah, Sharif Floyd was the best player on the board if the Cowboys were playing a different scheme. But the coaches knew that that guy didn't necessarily fit what they were doing. They, they traded mm-hmm. backwards and got a guy that where they wanted to go. Their, his point this year was Ryan Russell. You know, and I already knew this about Russell, but he pointed out what I just said, too. He's like, the guy was was playing, you know, the defensive end position in a 3-4. Look at him. He's 6'4", 270. That's the prototype body for a 4-3 end. You bring him in as a 4-3 end, you switch to a 3-4. Goodbye. <laughs> That's the end of your career. Right. Uh, no, I, I understand that. And what state of mind is a guy in after something like that has happened? You've got to factor that one in, too. So, well, yeah, listen, um, I, think, I think we can agree to disagree. The beauty of all this is we're going to get to see it play out. And, uh, you know, I'm not saying it was – believe me, I'm not Homer in this and saying, oh, my God, it was an A+. Plus. It was, <laughs> but I, I, I just don't see it as poorly as you do. Yeah, you're a little higher on this thing than me. Let's talk about the local team down here where the Gridiron Stud Show is based, uh, the Miami Dolphins. Um, everyone was 
Uh, I'm going to say a little more than satisfied. Okay with the first round pick of Devontae Parker. I personally wanted a running back. I talked about that on Friday. But you can't kill him for that dead horse again. You can't. No, you can't kill him for the pick. This is also an area of need. You needed a downfield threat. You needed someone on the edge that could scare people, and Parker has the uh, potential to do something like that. I like the pick of Jordan Phillips, defensive tackle. I'm not sure that that's uh, an area of need for the Miami Dolphins, but I guess they saw a player that they could. Um, jump at right there, and if he's going to be anything like he was for Oklahoma, him and Sue in the middle is going to be a. Uh, it's going to listen. Well, let me ask you, though, you would you have gone there with that pick, knowing that you already got a hundred and some odd million committed there? I mean, I'm just asking. No, no, I, I've already said it. It was not an area of need. They must have really liked this player to make that pick. Don't know a bunch about Jamil Douglas. I hope it works out. I knew the Dolphins couldn't resist getting an offensive lineman in this draft. So, kudos. To them for doing that. Considering where you got Bobby McCain, the cornerback, um, you may get some value there. He could come in and um, and and provide you what you need. Is he the long term, or is he the answer for the Dolphins at the cornerback position? Probably not. But he looks like a like slot corner to me, Chad. I mean, you're looking at a guy that's five nine, five ten, under two hundred pounds. To me, he looks like a guy that maybe they've targeted to. I don't know what his to deal with New England. Is. To deal with New England, that's that's yeah. what it is. To deal yeah. with what New England does in a slot, and it's more than likely that's what he is. And again, it's not the long term or the answer for the Dolphins at that position. They didn't address it in the draft. A little bit of a problem there for me, but nevertheless, uh, hopefully the guy works out. JJ uh, I like. Okay, um, is it the top shelf running back? I thought the Dolphins should have done have gotten um, in this draft. No, but. He's a guy who could surprise. Um, definitely well, has I think, some ability. I think for a fifth round pick. I mean, for a fifth round pick, you know, he, he brings some size to the position. He's about right around six foot two twenty. Um, mm-hmm. you, you know, there's some issues there, and that's why a guy with this kind of build and everything slides to the fifth round. Is he's got some, you know, he's got some injury history. You know, he, he did an ACL, which is not big anymore, as big anymore, but it's still something. He had some injuries last year. Uh, and he's you know he's not going to be a home run threat for you. I mean the guy the guy's clocking you know almost four six. I mean not that that's a problem, but you know he's not a home run threat. He's hopefully going to run between the tackles. In, if he could yeah, if he could get in there and control uh, control a game, if the Dolphins have a lead with four minutes left and they can really make the clock the enemy of their opponent by running a giant him you know moving the chains or really changing the way a defense has to play then I think they've gotten what they wanted out of this pick. Lamar Miller is your home run threat. He's your speed guy. Um, so hopefully those two can be a thunder and lightning type deal. Thompson and Lippitt, uh, good value picks, especially Lippitt in, in a round five. I, I like Lippitt's career at Michigan State. And uh, Michigan State in recent history has put out some pretty well-developed players. So um, uh, it would be interesting to see where that is. I don't yeah, think I think they got two nice picks there, to be year. honest with you. I thought, I thought yeah, both of those picks were good. Yeah, so um, overall on the Dolphins draft, I'd give it – I'd almost, you know, push it to an A- minus when I compare it to years past, but I'm not going to do that. It's just you against the rest of the NFL, so I'm going to put them at a B on this draft. Uh, There were some areas where I thought they could have addressed uh, with higher picks, but overall they got quality players, and I wouldn't be surprised if – you know, uh, six, five or six of these guys make the football team and actually have an early contribution. Um, you know, the, I have a tough time grading drafts. I was saying that a little earlier. Is 
I kind of try to do what we've talked about on other shows with drafts, same thing. I try to grade front offices. In other words, if once I deem you as being competent, okay, mm-hmm. like for years, for example, I would make jokes when we would do the show because I knew Jerry Jones was running the Cowboys draft, and I deemed him incompetent. So I questioned mm-hmm. everything he did, okay? Right. When I when I when I deem once I deem you competent, it's hard for me to grade it because I'm going to trust that you know more than I do about the players. Like when I see the Packers draft, they had a couple guys that made me scratch my head, but I deem the Packers competent, so I kind of say, well, mm. I'm going to figure they know you more get, than I him, do. You cut them some slack. You cut them some slack. And no that's doubt. kind of the way you know on different drafts: Steelers, Ravens. There's teams New England. Um, and, and you know, for me, when we were debating a little earlier, and I get it, you know, you you know, believe me, I'm not. Our, that's kind of why I felt the Cowboys. I mean, I look at it like, you know what, the last two or three years, they've been very, very competent. So I'm going to look and say, you know what, they didn't do anything crazy. They didn't do any trading. They didn't do anything that makes me really raise an eyebrow. So I'm going to say they did their homework. They know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. They've got good coaches mm-hmm. there now. And uh, mm-hmm. they got guys to fit what they're doing. I mean, so that's, that's kind of where I'm at with a lot, a lot of these teams. The Dolphins don't quite get the benefit of the doubt with me. No, but, not yet. Certainly not. But I do like Absolutely their pick. Not. If if it's if it's yeah, worth it. Yeah, they anything. got they got good players. Not great players. They got good players. Going to be interesting to see how it turns out. There's a team that I don't think you weren't really enthralled with their first round pick, uh, Shaq Thompson. But I thought for the limited amount of action and picks that they had in this draft, I thought I thought Carolina did all right. Shaq Thompson is a boomer bust. Um, Devin Funches gives them another big quality target on the outside. Uh, to to you know you know for for Cam Newton so you got two big guys on the outside uh, you got Benjamin and you got Funches I think that's going to be fun to see how they work that people were down on Funches because I think he ran a four seven maybe at the at the combine um, he's a very athletic guy and I don't think speed's going to be his issue it's just going up and getting the ball and you got two big guys outside that could do that I like that for them Cameron Artis Payne at number five is uh, a very quality running back and uh, someone that could keep people honest um, if they start honing in on, on, on the quarterback runs that Cam Newton does for Carolina. So I like that. Williams and Mayo are, are, are two um, decent players that they were able to pick up. So I kind of like what they did with the limited, limited amount well, of players they had. I got that. two points for you on this. Uh, number one, the first, the first question, first and foremost to me is, um, this is a team that – had trouble keeping their quarterback upright. Am I right? I mean, he, you mm. know, Cam Newton, the car accident was the least of his problems last year. Playing behind that line mm. was a problem. He got sacked 40 mm. times. Now, this is a guy that actually is, is a phenomenal athlete. So to sack him 40 times means he probably got hit about 100. Okay? Some of that is Cam, though. Some of it's Cam, of that, but, but Cam yeah, is not changing. Cam. He's not changing. And we took one one lineman. In this in this draft, okay, that's my first thing. Mm-hmm. Number two, mm-hmm. I never found their defense to be a problem. Really, once it got healthy, I mm-hmm. thought they played pretty good defense, actually. So mm-hmm. we go we go first round. We use one of our only five picks. We know that coming in. We use it on mm-hmm. a defensive player. We take one lineman. Now I agree with what you said on the players themselves. Yeah, I mean they got mm-hmm. some good value. I think I think the kid from Michigan is a nice big target. I agree with everything you said, player by player, but. I question, let's get Cam some help up front, okay? Let, let's not make mm-hmm. this guy seem like he's playing in traffic every Sunday. Mm-hmm. That's almost um, my only point okay. there. 
I, you know, no, I agree with you. I think it's more along the lines of I like the players that they got. And like you said, um, yeah, they do need to address the offensive line situation. Maybe they didn't have guys that they really liked that they saw came up in that. You know, that's, you know, that's the deal there. A couple, let's talk some players that um, didn't show up where we thought they would in this draft. I thought Brett Hundley would be picked before the fifth round. But he does end up going to Green Bay. So if you're going to go in the fifth round, it's a good place to go. What's your thoughts on great Hunley place and to go? I mean, I was, I was, you know, th- never surprised me with the Packers. And you, you remember the show I said to you, and you, you kind of chuckled and then thought about it. If it were me and I was an NFL GM, provided that I had my full allotment of seven or more picks every year, I would take mm-hmm. one quarterback in every draft. Yeah, you never know. No, never it, know, to me, so. it's a lottery ticket. You can never ha- listen. If you ended up with three good quarterbacks on your roster. You're going to trade one or two of them and get a bunch of picks for them anyway. So for me, I'm I always... do like that as a strategy, though, Emil. I got to tell you that uh, I do like. Well, I take it. one I, every. every I'm not saying I'd use a high pick, but a fifth round pick on a guy like Hundley, who was very productive and had a great career at UCLA, that's well worth that lottery ticket. If Green Bay hits oh, on no Hundley, doubt. yeah, mm-hmm. no doubt. If two years no later Hundley, that. let's say Rodgers goes down and Hundley plays two games, okay, and he absolutely mm-hmm. lights it up this year or next year. And Rodgers is only going to be in the 35 at that point, so they know he's going to have four or five years left. They'll trade Hundley. Mm-hmm. They'll get a boatload of picks for him, just like they true. did with Matt Flynn. True. This, this it's is a true. great and, strategy. And, 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 and it's another reason why um, you would do something like that. So uh, kudos to you for finally coming up with a good idea here on the grid. Every once in a while. There's a, there's a first time for everything. Um, I'm sure you're familiar with the wide receiver Rashad Green from uh, Florida State, I was um, extremely surprised um, that he went as late as he did in the draft. I was surprised by it. I don't know if you know this, but Rashad Green and uh, Philip Dorsett played on the same high school football team. I I was not aware of that. Where did Green go? What team? Green ended up going to Jacksonville. um, Mm. and, And... and could be a good thing round. or a bad thing. I mean, if listen, he's going to play there. If he, it, let's put it this way, he should play there. If if he you know demonstrates what he needs to, to demonstrate in camp and and whatnot. But I mean, here's the thing with Green. I think people got a little bit uh, scared off by by the workout numbers again. Um, mm-hmm. He didn't have a huge uh, year last year, if I'm remembering correctly. Did he? Oh, an okay year. I mean, yeah. an okay. Year. I don't. What know he had? Thirteen hundred yards. Expected. No, I mean he had a good year. I mean, he's only five, a shade under six foot. That's okay. That's you know, you you can that that's about normal. But he he's not a burner. I mean, he's a little over four or five, and he's not big. So if you're going to be think like, that's what people. I think that's what people expected him to be. I think people thought maybe he could touch four three, um, in in his workouts in the forty and and the four five. I really think hurt him because at five eleven one eighty two. And four or five, I think people probably think well, you could find a bunch of guys like that. And that's well, and you, you know, start... yeah, you know how guys. That's exactly it. If you're going to run, it's not that four or five is necessarily slow, but if you're going to run four or five and you're playing against D backs that are four 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 three guys, you got to be six two. Then it doesn't matter because you can you can muscle them when you don't get separation. But if you're going to be the same size as them and they're faster than you, I think a lot of people feel, well, how do we, how do, how does this guy get separation? In other words, how, you know, how does he get open? I think it's a classic example of um, the, the total judgment on a guy being made on the things that you can't see. And what you can't see 
is um, his attention to detail and his craft and uh, a good route runner that he is. And these are the things that I think are going to give Rashad Green a long uh, or a longer than expected period of time in the NFL. So I think he just got based, judged based off the measurables. His high school mate, uh, Philip Dorsett, who didn't have quite the career that Rashad Green had in college, ends up going in the first round to Indianapolis. And that the big reason there is he, he ran himself a, a 4-3, 40-yard dash and, and brings a certain something to the Colts, which is taking the top off of defense that people don't think Rashad Green Yeah, but you're, you're, you're a Freakonomics type guy. You like, you like this kind of stuff. Where I think, what I think happens to us as, as, as humans are, we we look for outliers, okay. In other words, we find an outlier and we we, we stick to it. In other words, we'll, we'll look at a Tony Romo, and say Tony Romo wasn't even drafted, and, he, and he's one of the top ten quarterbacks in the league. But let's face it, Mo- Tom Brady was taken in the sixth round. Go look mm-hmm. at most of the best quarterbacks in the league. They were taken in the first round or two. Seriously. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Um, um, this is we'll true. look at a guy, we, and, and we do clutch onto the outliers. We do. do that's that right. We'll that. clutch onto a guy. Oh, he ran a four six. He was in the NFL Hall of Fame. Most receivers in the NFL don't run four six. Okay. So all I'm saying is, you know, while I like to make fun of the combine because I call it the underwear Olympics, the truth of it is, mm. these guys know a lot about football. If they really thought the combine was a waste of time, they wouldn't do it. And sure, we'll all point to a Mike Mamula. And we'll say, yeah, he went in and bench-pressed himself into the number eight pick, and he stunk. But you know what? Mm-hmm. They look at it, and they say, if there's 100 guys, and I know that I, I'm taking 100 receivers, and I get every one of them that runs four or five and better, there's a, a, high, a much higher probability that I'm going to have NFL-caliber players than if I try to find the one guy who, who, who is the outlier. Does that make sense, what I'm saying? Yeah, uh, you're right. Uh, I can't I can't disagree with you on that as much as I would like to. So um, it it is what it is. And again, we do like to take the outlier and try to apply it to as status. Can I ask you a question, by the way, when we're sticking on Jacksonville? I was very surprised at their next pick because I think he seems to me like a good football player. And I was actually wondering if my team would take him. How did he last till the sixth round, Michael Bennett? Because he's uh, like a, one of one of those things that you'd have to ask yourself is there something more to the picture than um, we've seen? You know they they were able to pick up some good players. Dante Fowler the first round. You get yeah. T.J. Yeldon. Um, look, if T.J. Yeldon was the only running back at Alabama, like it is at many places, he could have put up stupid numbers for the Crimson Tide. But he was not. He shared the load with several backs throughout his career. And there's not a lot of mileage on those tires, so he could go in there and be a, a pretty good force for them. Uh, again, we they got Richard Green. They're a seventh-round pick, Ben Koyak, uh, from Notre Dame. Pretty good tight end. So yeah. he's a guy that could make the team. And, you, and as you, you did, you spoke about Bennett. The unfortunate thing is they're all in a Jaguars franchise. So it, it could be all well, you know, everything I, we just to said. To your point on Yeldon, though, you know, I think there's a fear factor right now with Alabama. And I think you touched – either you or I said it. I swear it was you. Oh, it is, the, it is there. They're not panning out at the next level, no doubt. Yeah, and I think the fear factor is that when you get an Alabama player, there is no more ceiling. In other words, there's such good coaches at Alabama that Nick Saban basically is handing you a finished product. So when you, what you see is what you get. There's not much room for improvement, and they get to the next level, and there's not another gear there. In other words, it is what it is. Yeah, the biggest thing is is to fit those Alabama guys 
well into your system and don't just take them because they're from Alabama when, you know, they don't necessarily fit into what it is you do as a team. Uh, I know you wanted to talk about this because this is your favorite team um, to to get on <laughs> for some reason. It's not the Redskins. It's not the Giants. It's the Eagles. And um, I don't know. I may have to agree with your point on this. What they do in the draft here? What they do? What are they well, doing? Well, first of all, a couple things strike me. You know, the the Eagles for a ten and six team, the way their season ended, it was not a good ten and six. They were nine and three. They were in first place. Uh, they went one and three. The other team behind them went through four and zero, oh, and they ended up, you know, as a, almost a disaster the last quarter of the season. Okay, they only had six picks. Now I'm guessing that's because they traded most of them away in all these myriad of deals that that they've done. Because I remember when when the um, Harold, what was his name, that used to run their draft. I want to say Rosenblum, but it wasn't. But anyway, uh, mm-hmm. they when they had Reed and the other guy that were running the draft together, they would have ten and twelve picks. Am I right? The Eagles always had a ton of draft picks. They they would hoard True. them. Okay, mm-hmm. they've got six picks in this draft. They had no picks in the fourth or fifth round. I'm assuming they got traded away. I like the first pick, not because he's from USC. I think they we talked about that Friday. They need a guy to replace Macklin, and he seems like a Macklin clone. So I'm not going to kill him there. I didn't understand mm-hmm. Eric Rowe. Um, he's a good player, but he, I thought they could have did more. I mean, corner to me was a, a big weakness for them. Um, um, well, they did. They went out and got three cornerbacks. So they're yeah. trying, they try like all hell to address Yeah, I guess it. they're I, I guess they're going know. with the volume theory there. You know, we got three, one or two of them will be will be good. Uh so okay, you know, that's fine. But but there's nothing else there on defense. I mean, they got a kid from Boston College in the 7th round. Uh the, the linebacker from Texas, he, he did nothing to really impress me. I mean, he you know, I'm not going to say he's a he's not a I'm not going to kill him. He's a third round pick from Texas. He might be a good football player cuz Texas gets athletes. Mm-hmm. I just don't – for all the talk of what the Eagles were going to do, it seemed like the draft was like a yawn for them. Uh, and and I can't disagree with that. I look at the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, they went and got guys that were highly productive that maybe people weren't terribly high on pre-draft because of the measurables and all uh, and all that kind of stuff. Sanquez Golson, uh, people will tell you, too small to uh, to play in the National Football League. He's a good football a damn good football player makes plays, yeah. finds himself around the football. When he's around the football, things are happening. Now, what do you, um, you think know, he get... is, though? See, to me, he is the matchup that they see themselves. To me, he's a New England matchup guy. They want him for New England slot. Cover receivers. them slot guys. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Cover the slot guys, uh, which you know New England will just quickly. I mean, let's face it, though, they didn't have to do much with that first pick because Bud Dupree fell in their lap. I mean, that was a gift yes, from heaven. He did. Just, just say thank he, you. He did indeed. Sammy Coates, while not as um, productive as you would have wanted, he wasn't a you know, primarily run-based offense there at Auburn, um, a guy that has a ton of potential, and they get him there in the third round. But, you know, let's go down to the last pick, Gerard Holloman. Here's a guy that was your Thorpe Award winner and leading interceptor in all of college football uh, with 14. And uh, a lot of teams passed on him for a number of reasons, four six five forty, um, and not a big-time tackler. I think the Pittsburgh Steelers know the way in which they could use this guy and can use a guy who has demonstrated that he knows and understands how the game of football works and can find himself around the ball, and there's no risk at all in the seventh round. This is the kind of stuff that 
the uh, that that the Pittsburgh Steelers do. You get an Anthony Chicolo where you look at he was in a, a defensive scheme and system at Miami that was not tailored to what he could do best, and that's that. You know, you brought that point up earlier about scheme. Um, yes. So here's a guy that could turn out to be something big time for them. Although here's where they made their money, Chad. I must admit this though, Chicolo is going to you know the same kind of defensive setup at, that that he was in at Miami. Just just something I thought I'd... Well, I thought they made their money in the third, fourth, and fifth rounds. I think Coates is a steal when you look at the size-speed combination and what they've already Mm -hmm. got there. Antonio Brown's a little bit smaller receiver and Mm -hmm. arguably one of the best, if not the best, in the league. Um, You know, obviously other guys have a say in that, but he's he's up there. And now you bring in a guy like Coates who's got size and speed. Um, I like that pick, especially in the third round. I think the corner from Ohio State, you know, he's a sub-4-5 guy. Uh, played at Ohio mm-hmm. State, got some cover skills. He can help them because they couldn't cover anybody last year. And then you look at them bringing mm-hmm. in that big tight end from Penn State. I mean, Heath Miller's getting up there a little bit, and now you bring somebody to relieve some of that pressure. I mean, James, if I'm, if I don't even have his his profile up, but I think the guy's like six six, six seven, big target. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. I like that. I, li- um, I like their draft. Yeah, yeah, and, and they usually do a good job with it. They're one of those teams that you mentioned. Can uh, can get a pass because of the front office. So um, before we go here, let's talk about some of some of let's not, not so much the teams drafting, but some players, some interesting pickups by some of the teams and some players that um, you know maybe people weren't really thinking a whole lot about that uh, can end up being a really good catch for for some of the teams. I'm going to start off with Denzel Perryman. I've been open about this. He is one guy I truly enjoyed watching play on Miami's defense over the last few years. He is a tackling machine. When he shows up, bad things are going to happen to the other guy. I'm real happy to see him in San Diego. Uh, Apart from it being a great place, he could bring a certain attitude to that defense on San Diego. So I'm really excited to see Denzel Perriman as a charger. I I like the Perriman pick a lot. Um, I think he's a productive player. Um, along those lines, uh, there's a team I want to focus on and one player and and then the general strategy. I like the fact that uh, one of my favorites, because you got to mention one of yours, uh, Josh Shaw ended up going to the Bengals in the fourth round. I thought that was a good value pick there. He did very well at the Senior Bowl. Um, The guy's got skills. You know he uh, he, he went played at Florida a little while, right? Um, Yeah, and he really just has this one thing. Well, and I think that, that whole thing last year, USC did him no favors because he never did anything wrong. I mean, he just he's a kid that got scared and ran from the police. There was never anything that went on there, and they let that thing drag out nine games. I mean, he should have been back on that team two or three games into the year, paid his, his, his dues for lying, but he wasn't like he was committing a crime. The guy never had right. anything. So this is a guy that's got skills, and they get him in the fourth round, and we know Marvin Lewis likes to coach defense. So I think mm-hmm. they did themselves a favor there. I don't understand their draft generally um, because I know they've got two pretty good tackles in Cincinnati that are in the last year of their contract. So I'm fine bringing in one as your hedge saying, hey, we might lose one of these guys. We need a young guy to step in. But I don't understand a team like the Bengals who have to have other needs because they're usually getting bounced from the playoffs quickly. Uh, they go tackle, tackle. I don't get that. Yeah, Um Interesting, uh, but it's the offensive line, man. You, they're thinking um, that's the reason that they haven't gotten everything that they need to get out of Fire Red, huh? Is that could that be it? 
We need to show well, listen, I've never – both guys – listen, I'm one of these people. I love big football players. Okay, defensive and offensive linemen, I think you can tell my general tone of how I feel football works. So if both guys end up being players, then they're going to look really smart because I don't think you can ever have too many good big guys on either line. Okay, I think everything – and I know you as a corner don't like to hear this. I think everything mm. starts right there. I mean, I, I believe – that, oh no, I'm 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 a football purist, and I know that the game starts up front. It starts. Yeah, it all front, starts no there. Doubt. Listen, you can have average corners, and again, don't misunderstand. I'm not saying anybody can play corner, but I can mm-hmm. mask a guy who's an average corner if he's only got a cover for three seconds. If I'm getting to the quarterback, mm-hmm. no, I, can't I can't mask disagree. him if it's I'm five not. seconds. If it's five seconds, <laughs> he's going to look like an average. Then you've corner. got a, now your pool of who can actually play corner gets extremely small. If you're going to ask him to cover for four and five seconds, that's right. When you're talking to someone that that's coaches right. seven on seven football, and the rules in seven on seven football is four seconds to throw the ball. And as a coach watching your defense play, that's an eternity. It's an eternity watching your kids have right. to cover that R- long. So, right. So when I get it down um, to three seconds, which is why I've always believed in you know, when you if you're gonna if you're gonna take a chance. In the NFL draft, take it on offensive and defensive linemen because if if you hit, it really helps your whole football team. Again, don't misunderstand. I don't think anybody you like to kid with me. I don't think anybody can just run with a football. No, no, no. There's a big difference between an Adrian Peterson and a guy. But I do think if you have a great offensive line, a guy can be serviceable. Whereas if you have a bad offensive line. That pool, who can play yeah, behind look, it? Having is a good different. offensive line, having a good offensive line allows you to do a lot of things with your smaller guys. Having a great defensive line allows you to do, um, you know, a lot of great things with with you know guys that aren't elite in the back end. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. You're not going to get an argument from me on that. We had two guys, we had two quarterbacks go at the top of this draft, first and second round. I, they didn't get a whole lot of help through the draft wise, but I do like the the receivers taken for uh, each one of these guys. Um, I, for Tampa, you're talking? Well, I think Tampa already had some coming in, and, yeah, they helped. I mean, I think with – they with, didn't need it. Kenny Bell's a good pickup, though. Kenny Bell's oh, a good Ken, pickup. Kenny Bell's a good player. I mean, I couldn't believe – that was a guy you know, we didn't touch on last segment, but I was actually surprised he, uh, he he lasted that long. I guess maybe that's another size-speed thing, but, I mean, I've seen te- Kenny Bell play, and he's a good football player. Yeah, no doubt about it. So, Jameis has gotten some help. Um Tennessee, I thought, could have done more to help out Marcus Mariota, but they've got a guy in Doriel Beckham Green or Green Beckham that if he's a boomer bus guy, but the boom can be really serious here. Well, again, where it all comes down to you know value, and I think that you're okay with where you know you go out and take a guy like him. Um, you know, you take him at the 40th pick. Okay, obviously, if this guy. Uh, is not, uh, for lack of a better word, crazy. He's probably a mm-hmm. top half of the first-round guy. So mm-hmm. if you're going to throw a lottery ticket out there, again, I, I hold the same thing like I did with with, with the Gregory pick. I'm okay with, with Tennessee doing this because, you know, you got a guy that's over 6'5", uh, 235 pounds. Basically, he's a tight end, and he runs under a 4'5". I'll take he that could be chance. Kelvin, he could be what Kelvin Benjamin has been for the Carolina Panthers and maybe even – more so. I'm glad they did it so that at least now I know two guys on Tennessee's team. I yeah, know the name two, of two, the two newest on guys. the Tennessee Titans. Yeah, I, I officially know two guys um, when asked in the street that play for the Tennessee Titans. So 
Uh, and they, listen, to, and to their credit, they, their next pick was a guard, so at least they, they've got to focus on let's keep this guy from, from ending up on a stretcher. You know, they, they drafted a lineman with a high pick, so you've got to prove that. Um, then they went defensive line with the next pick. So, I mean, I, I like the strategy there. I mean, the, the, the improving your lines uh, when you're a team like Tennessee after you get your skill guys. So I'm okay with that. Give me one guy that you are really anxious to see playing with this team now uh, that got drafted. I'm, you know, there's many. Off the top of my head, I'm anxious to see what Todd Gurley could do for the St. Louis Rams for some reason. Yeah, that's the wrong guy. I can't answer that fairly because my answer is simple. I want to see Byron Jones play so I could say to you, see, he really is that uh, good chap. See, well, <laughs> you know, look, hopefully I'm wrong because I'm going to be a small, small closet Cowboys fan. This you know year. what? You like the uh, way we play football down in Dallas now because now the Cowboys have become bullies and you like that style of football. Yeah, I, I, listen, I, I do like I do like that kind of stuff. I'm still a little pissed. I, I want to... I wanted a bigger splash. I'm acting like a fan. I wanted a bigger splash at that running back position. Hopefully what happens if Adrian Peterson is a man of principle and he turns to the Vikings and says, I don't need $12 million. I made a lot of money. If you don't trade me, I'll just, I'm done. And he goes to the Cowboys. I will increase my closet space for the Cowboys as a fan coming up this year to be that team. I, I have the luxury of, of rotating uh, my fandom every year since I turned in my Rams card many years ago. <laughs> So Cowboys, Cowboys could be that team this year. But all right, man, we reached the end of a great show. We uh, assassinated and crucified Mayweather. Uh, we had a couple calls on it. We appreciate the callers that called into the show today. We hope that you continue to listen and bring some friends along with you. As we appreciate all of our listeners here on the Gridiron Stud Show, and we appreciate you making us a featured show here on Blog Talk Radio. Emil, I had some fun today. I know you did, right? Oh, I always have fun. I love this stuff. You know that. That's right, and I know our listeners and callers did. I'm back on tomorrow, same time, 10 a.m. Emil rejoins me on Friday. So uh, until then, enjoy the rest of your day, and we'll see you again on the Gridiron Stud Show. Thanks for listening. To all you high school recruits out there, you want to get recruited by the colleges? Step up and visit GridironStuds.com today. We've got college coaches visiting. We've got people visiting. We've got fans visiting. If you want to be seen, get your video up there right now. It's easy. Create a profile. Take two minutes. Stop playing games. Get off of Facebook. Take control of your future. GridironStuds.com is where you need to be today. Visit now. Set your profile up. And let yourself be seen.